Hey ladies, how you doing out there, you gangsters and you senior citizens of the world? I just want to let you know that I'm here. I'm starting my new podcast with Anchor. It's free, so I thought, why not give it a try? There's creation tools there that allow you to edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute my podcast, so it will be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, at home. During the coronavirus epidemic, this is where we're going to be. So, it's a mandatory call to action that we... Take anchor. Because the truth is, of course, unknown. And we'll be taking a look at other possibilities, including the ransom note not even being written in the house that morning. So there's there's a lot to go over and a lot that has not been gone over yet. And we don't know which one of these things might be the smoking gun in unraveling this perplexing true crime case, which many consider the most famous true crime case. As always, if you enjoy the podcast and find it informative, you can donate to our PayPal. Just check the link in the description. Help support the channel. Help us get more mind-shocking episodes out in faster frequency and cover even more cases in typical mind shock fashion. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel, hit the bell for notifications, make sure you allow your device to have those notifications come through. If it's still glitching, you can just go to youtube.com slash mindshock to manually check when the latest episodes are released and peruse our ever-growing back catalog. If you found this episode interesting, hit that like button, share it across social media platforms, And, of course, justice delayed is justice denied. There are people interested in solving not just this case, but other cold cases. And awareness, of course, is key. Questions, comments, theories, thoughts, suggestions, rebuttals, debunkings of any kind, leave them in the comment section. And you can also check us out on Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, and Patreon. Patrons do get priority for case topic, logical analysis, co-podcaster requests. You could also be a guest on the podcast, depending on your tier. All right, so what are we going to look at first? Let's address the issue of the Christmas parties. So... Of course, there were multiple Christmas parties. There was the party at the Ramsey's, which was December 23rd, 1996, from approximately 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. And there was also the party from that particular night at the White's residence, which they were returning from. Some people theorized that John JonBenet Ramsey might have been killed at the White's Christmas party or elsewhere than the Ramsey home and there was some kind of cover-up. And she was already dead arriving at the home or perhaps not dead but injured in some capacity. So Yeah, the other thing we really didn't discuss is how unusual is it 
that the Ramsey dog, John Benet Ramsey's dog, was ushered off to a neighbor's house, therefore not inside the home, able to. I don't want to say the word assist, but per se, alert, alert, bark like crazy, perhaps deter a burglar or intruder, or at least, at the very least, some kind of alert. Some kind of a ruckus that could have been caused that might have altered the events that transpired. Or is this simply another long line of coincidences? I know coincidence theorists are attracted to the Jean Benet Ramsey case in, in large numbers, similar to conspiracy theorists, aka critical thinkers, who are not willing to just believe that every single coincidence is just a coincidence, no matter how high the stack goes. And we'll be examining... A number of coincidences. Now, I've discussed this in the past, but there was also this mysterious 911 call on the 23rd that was supposedly a mistaken 911 call. Is this another coincidence? So, how often do people accidentally call 911? Obviously, it happens. How often does it happen at the scene of a crime within 48 hours? Again, there's just, there. It's, it's really, really bizarre. So I'll just go over a couple sources for this 911 call. So this is 6.48 p.m. on December 23rd, 1996. Someone from the Ramsey residence. So again, the Christmas party is approximately 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. Now, obviously, we don't have exact timestamps. People could have lingered after, I suppose. Anyway, this call came in. I'm the type to give type 2 diabetes my all. Steglajan gives you its all too to help lower A1C. It's a once daily pill that combines two proven medications that work in three ways. It helps your body create less sugar, make more insulin, and remove some sugar. Steglajan is used with diet and exercise to help lower blood sugar levels in adults with type 2 diabetes. Serious side effects can happen, including pancreatitis, which may be severe and lead to death. Other serious side effects include dehydration and genital yeast infections in men and women. Before you start taking Steglajan, tell your doctor if you have ever had heart failure or problems with your kidneys. Ketoacidosis is a serious side effect that may be fatal. Kidney problems sometimes requiring dialysis have been reported, as have serious urinary tract infections. Steglajan may increase the risk of lower limb amputations. A rare but life-threatening bacterial infection in the skin of the perineum could occur. Stop taking Steglajan and call your doctor right away if you have symptoms of this bacterial infection. Other serious side effects include low blood sugar, serious allergic reactions, severe joint pain, and skin reactions. Do not take Steglajan if you are allergic to ertugliflozin, citagliptin, or any of the ingredients in Steglajan. Stop taking Steglajan and call your doctor right away if you have any symptoms of a serious allergic reaction. Your doctor may do blood tests before and during treatment to check your kidneys. If you're the type to not give up, ask your doctor about Steglajan. Came in 6.48 p.m. to 911. So there were quite a few people there. 
So some rumors are that Fleet White was placing an international call. So this has never been corroborated in any capacity. I'm not sure where these rumors came from. But if you're calling internationally, you might call, you would use 01 or 101 or 011, whatever the number is. So is it possible someone missed? But And again, it is Christmas time, so it's not out of the question that perhaps he has family vacation. It's November 1998 in Stanfield, Arizona, a run just miles away from Casa Grande. After a 10-day search, a family finds the body of their missing loved one in the middle of the desert. If they found anything, they were supposed to shoot up in the air. The gunshot went off on November 17th, signaling the Stanfield mother was dead. Crime scene photos released exclusively to Nana on your side show sticks over Amy's body. Amy Armenta Anderson was dead. But who could have done it? She just had a big, big attitude and a little tiny lady. She was a great cook. She had tons of friends. She was the reason everybody got together. Her daughter, Kimberly Sanders, has raised a family of her own since and even discovered a sister named Sarah she never knew she had. When I did go looking, uh, I basically found out just terrible news, you know, that she had passed away. And, um... But I didn't have any information at that time. Sarah Hopkins was put up for adoption because Amy was still a teenager when she gave birth to her. She was growing up in Tucson when Amy lost her life. But now Hopkins has joined the search for answers along with her siblings. Starting with more than 200 pages of police reports saved over the years by Amy's family, Nine on Your Side retracked Amy's steps. November 7th, 1998. Amy takes her family to a church bazaar in Casa Grande. We got back and she dropped me off at my friend's house and... That was the last time I saw her. Police reports indicate that Amy's husband told deputies Amy gave a neighbor a ride to his car. What happened next, nobody knows. Just hours after she vanished, her vehicle was found in this parking lot at Stanfield Elementary. The only thing left behind was a pile of her clothes. Well, groundskeeper that lived there on the property saw it outside and um, noticed it was outside for a while, and I think... Finally, he went out to look at it to see because it wasn't normal for a car to be parked there on a Sunday. The search was on for the family. My uncle, my mom's oldest sister's husband, was the one that found her. Police reports revealed a startling fact. The killer likely used one of Amy's own shoelaces to strangle her. Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb wants this case solved. They narrowed their suspect list to one man, the neighbor that was last seen with Amy. I wouldn't say evidence, but there's some statements that, that lead us to believe that he might be a prime suspect in this case. We've lived there for eight years, and we were just neighbors, you know, and we had seen him come and go through... <coughs> throughout the years. Detectives questioned the neighbor last known to be with Amy, but that neighbor says the two went their separate ways at the Circle K on Stanfield Road. He ended up moving out of Stanfield, and years later, he was arrested for murdering a young woman, leading detectives to take another look at him. We reached out to the Pennsylvania facility to ask if he'd be willing to do an interview, which he declined. Investigators even tried to send evidence back for DNA testing years later, but the Department of Public Safety declined it. The evidence was brought to the sheriff's office back then, um, for DNA and 
because we couldn't put the evidence in any particular place. There's no chain of custody. Is it safe to say that this case is at a standstill because the suspect is refusing to interview with you? It is, unfortunately, at a standstill. Another setback in the case? Two key pieces of evidence were lost years before Sheriff Lamb took office. The murder weapon and the vehicle that was found at Stanfield Elementary. But Sheriff Lamb says the case is still solvable. Well, it's a really small town, and people know things, and I just wish that they would speak up. All right, folks. Here's the numbers for the uh, Pinell County uh, Sheriff's Office. 520-866-5111. That neighbor, I guess, ended up in Pennsylvania, so maybe you know him. Maybe you came across him. Maybe he said something. Um, If you know anything, as small as it may be, uh, please reach out. Again, we we highlight these stories and these cases um, because they need help, and that help could very well uh, come from someone who's watching tonight. Uh, Let's bring in our special guest now. Joining us in New Haven, Connecticut, retired FBI special agent and senior lecturer at the University of New Haven, Kenneth Gray is with us. Kenneth, great to see you. Thanks for uh, joining us tonight. Great to be back with you again. So um, everyone just watched that piece and everyone's saying, it's the neighbor. It's the neighbor, right? I mean, um, but we've got some problems here. We've got some problems because we've we've got uh, uh, the whole issue with what happened with the evidence. Uh, Are you surprised that there wasn't a better system back in 1998 for handling this evidence? We had DNA in 1998, didn't we? We certainly did. And uh, to to lose track of the murder weapon in a case like this, that's unconscionable. Uh, you know that your whole case has been jeopardized by the loss of that evidence. Even if they had people who came forward and said that that the uh, the neighbor confessed to them about this, they would not be able to build a case at this time because they don't have the murder weapon anymore. That ligature is gone possible DNA on that ligature is gone. They cannot really build a case without the shoelaces. Yeah, you know, you, you look at what happened in 1998, as tragic as it was, but if that happened today, it just seems like this one could be wrapped up relatively quickly because they, they from the beginning, they knew that there was some connection with this neighbor that she was giving him a ride. And he's the last known person to be with her. So he's still the the person they should focus on. I think that the the approach they should take at this point would be a listening post. That is, to to work with uh, the correctional facility to try to obtain any information that he might provide to other inmates about his previous crimes. He might still be bragging about that to other inmates, and those statements could be used against him. Then they'd have to take their best shot. But again... Without that, uh, without their shoelace, without the vehicle, it's going to be very, very difficult to convince the jury. We have posted this uh, on Facebook and uh, would ask everyone to share it when you have an opportunity. So, again, we can spread the word and, and widen the scope of people um, that are reminded of this case or may know something. Uh, but we did get some comments. Uh, Lisa Berry tonight, the neighbor is probably responsible. He killed once and... He wouldn't have had a problem killing again. DNA can be traced even if they have to travel to him to get it. Um, as we said, I think we've lost the source of the DNA, though. That might be the problem because, you know, we lost the chain of custody and, and they don't want to even test it, the lab. You can, you can get 
his DNA, but there's no way to tie that DNA to this particular case. The murder weapon, the, the shoelace, may have had DNA on it, but they don't have that anymore. The vehicle, if she gave him a ride, his DNA may be in the, the passenger seat, but they don't have that vehicle anymore. So right now, there is no evidence with the crime scene to tie the crime scene to this neighbor. And I'm wondering, uh, uh, Kenneth, knowing that he's in prison now for killing a young woman, suspected in this one, do you think there's an investigation into other places that he lived in between and maybe looking at some of those cases as well? I would think that, uh, that a person like this might be a potential subject in other cases. So I certainly agree with you that he should be looked at as far as his, his travel and to see if there are any unsolved cases in those areas too. All right, folks. Again, if you have any information, uh, there's the number, 520-866-5111. Kenneth Gray, joining us from the University of New Haven. Always great to speak with you. Uh, really appreciate your expertise.